Welcome to the Business of Beers podcast. This is the place where we help entrepreneurs expand their business, build their wealth, and generate passive income. I'm your host, Brian Beers, an entrepreneur who's on a mission to inspire growth from everyone around me. Remember that you need to take the action others won't, and you can live the life that others don't. Please be sure to check out my weekly newsletter that now drops every Thursday. It includes one quote, one tweet, one podcast recommendation, plus some business and investing insight from me. It's short and it's sweet. My goal is to provide you with just a couple gold nuggets to help inspire your growth. Go to brianbeers.com to subscribe. Hello, everyone. I'm excited today to bring you Chris Munn. He's the founder of the Fairfield Company, which is focused on buying and operating incredible small businesses. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And so to start, can you give us an idea of, you know, 18 years old, you graduate high school, and then how you kind of get on this journey to where you're at today? Sure. So, so yeah. So when I was 18, I graduated. I went to, I'm from Detroit. I went to Detroit Public Schools. Uh, and I graduated in 2006, which was kind of the downturn of the auto industry and heading into 2008. And so there weren't a lot of opportunities in Detroit. So I knew that I wanted to leave. And so I went to college in D.C., went to Howard University, and I studied finance there. Uh, From there, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I went to an info session they were called at the time because they had free food. And uh, literally, that's how I got my first job Um, working in finance. I worked on a trading desk and I started there. Um, worked in a few different roles, worked at a hedge fund, and then finally worked at a, a oil pipeline company and did mergers and acquisitions for them. Uh, that was an awesome job because it kind of segued me into buying businesses. We bought small businesses, uh, assets from other businesses. So kind of tuck-ins to what we were already doing. And so it kind of really gave me an intro into how to do due diligence, how to set up a data room, how to negotiate. Okay. Uh, even though I didn't do all of those things, I was in the room to see the lawyers do that or or the business development people. So that was awesome. Uh, and then that kind of segued me into what I'm doing today. It was kind of a, a launching pad into that. And so now I run the Fairfield Company where we buy and acquire small businesses and try to hold them uh, for long periods of time and, and position them for growth. So it's not that dissimilar to what I was doing before. So I'm kind of appreciative that I had that that experience MLS company. Yeah. Probably a great uh, kind of playbook for someone else who's interested to get in that path, right? You can kind of start maybe in this corporate world, you know, learn some best practices um, and then probably taking some of those things you learned. And, and obviously some of them are going to be different operating on a probably $100 million budget versus, you yeah. know, a shoestring budget of a small business, right? Um, but yeah. the principles are still there, right? The core, some yeah. of the core things. So yeah, what, sure. What are some of the similarities that you see? Like in in that big corporate M and A role versus like your your current role. Yeah, so to me the pro- the the professionalism of the due diligence shouldn't change. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 ask may be different, but the way you set up a, a data room and the way you ask for information and exchange information that should be the same. The negotiating with the other party is not dissimilar. There's a lot of emotion involved. Even you know we we were we were negotiating at the time with. Shell, who is a huge corporation, and the people we were negotiating with, obviously, this isn't like their, it's not their business. You know, mm-hmm. they work there too, but they still get emotional about 
um, you know, what they're selling and they don't want to be taken advantage of. I think kind of all those human elements come into play when you get in a negotiation. It doesn't matter if it's something you've owned for 30 years or something that is just part of your job. You just don't want to be taken advantage of. You want to have a good deal. You want to be able to present this to whoever you work for and say like, hey, this is what I was able to do. So that stuff is very similar. Uh, dissimilarities or things that are dissimilar, uh, the way that you kind of deal with the other party. So in, in the small business space, you're dealing with a lot. I mean, people say it all the time, they're mom and pops. Yeah. And yep. you have to be, you can't come across like I wouldn't wear a suit or anything like that to a meeting. Um, you have to come across very approachable and. I think most of the time they just want to see a younger version of themselves who they think may be a little bit more capable than they were, or just maybe a little bit younger and has a different experience and, and skill set. And so that difference to me is the most starking in this space is you don't want to come across like PE. You want to come across like a guy who, you know, it can be in the trenches with them. Yeah. It's like the, the positioning, the perceptual positioning or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a PE thing, you don't want to show up in like the hoodie and sneakers, but you're going to That's buy a right. small business. Like you want to match, right? The dress code match the language. That's, uh, right. that's like, I don't know. You hear these books, like that's how people generally, they like to work with people that are similar to them. And part of that is, right? How you dress, how you talk. Uh, and like you said, I think the younger version themselves, that's like a huge point. I know for us, that's been a lot of my successes. You know, they see, you know, me themselves in me. 20 years ago or 30 years ago, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and I think that gets them excited. They're like, okay, this is, you know, I'm, I'm leaving it in good hands, which is, I think a lot of people think that the most important thing to the sellers is the money. And I think the money is probably 40% of it, but I think another 50% of it is like who they leave it to in the legacy. Yep. They even, they could sell it for any amount of money. They don't want to see it uh, be gutted in two years. Like it's still what they build. It's still their people who work there. So it's still a huge part of their identity. And so you have to, uh, I try to always keep that in the front of my mind is that it's, it's no different than you wouldn't insult uh, a gymnast who's only been doing gymnastics their whole life. And now they're 22 and now they have to do something different. You wouldn't insult the gymnastics world. Like that's their whole life. That's their identity yeah. for now. So you have to be protective of that. Yeah. I think this, the thing on the employees is key too. I know a number of deals we've gotten. It's because, you know, our reputation is that can we, we keep the team when we acquire it. We really give them a good chance to kind of get into our world. And then a lot of them thrive. Like a lot of them will start making more money and they're like happier. Cause like, you know, we're bringing lots of new energy and culture that, you know, someone's selling sometimes, you know, that's not the priority for them. And so yeah. I think that's like a huge part of it. And, but your reputation like precedes you too on a lot of that stuff. A hundred percent. So, yeah. So it's, the, the team, they always care about that. And like, what are you going to do with the, with the people? And, and we're, we take a similar approach to you. Like we don't go on with any preconceived notions of cutting people out or changing people's pay. It's just like, this is what we'll have to deal with for now. And we'll try to get the best out of these people. And hopefully they can thrive in our environment just as they succeeded in yours. Yep. So let's get into the, the, the Fairfield company. What does it look like? Like what type of businesses are, in, are, are comprised of it and how many employees? Let's get into some details. Yeah. So, so currently we have two portfolio companies. Um, one is a strictly commercial janitorial company. And we recently acquired a company that does both commercial janitorial and, uh, commercial floor work. 
And so the idea of the business is, is that we use the commercial janitorial company to have recurring revenue and an everyday contact with facilities managers. They're usually called our operations, building operations managers, people in commercial buildings who are responsible for everything from ordering supplies to getting the grass cut to making sure the plumbing um, contact is, is, is on site, stuff like that. So we have a daily contact with them. And through that daily contact, we're now able to kind of upsell the floor work, which is a lot higher margin than our uh, commercial cleaning. So we have two companies now. We're looking for companies in the same space. We're all in uh, Central Florida, West Central Florida, the Tampa area. Okay. And that's where we've been looking and acquiring at the time. We liked we liked Florida as a, a big growing market. Um, and we kind of figured if if any of our analysis fails on what we think this business can do, at least the 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 surrounding community is growing. And sometimes that's mm. all you need to grow a business. So it's kind of a little bit of a fail safe for us. Um and so we we're we're currently looking and we've had we bought the first business in 2020 and we bought the second business in August. So, um, took a little bit of time. COVID kind of was a bit mm-hmm. of a road bump for us. Yep. Uh, which is a, a, a whole nother story, but, but that's where we are today. And so we're, we're looking to grow, but we're, we're happy with where we are so far. Okay. And what's like it in the, in the, I guess, start of the janitorial business. So you get them as, in the, as a funnel starts at the top, right? With, with yep. regular maintenance cleaning. Uh, what, what are typically some of your customers? What type of customers? So we have uh, baseball stadiums. We have hospitals or clinics type facilities. We have some schools. We have um, fitness centers. Um, kind of all, all around the gamut. We okay. kind of and it's do everything. Per, like you go to a fitness center, I assume you're like, I don't know, wiping down equipment to clean yeah. locker rooms like versus yeah. schools and more just like clean hallways and bathrooms yeah. and like yeah and so and so for some accounts we have people there during the day and so like at a fitness center we may have someone there during the day who wipes down equipment and um you know cleans the bathrooms and the locker rooms during the day but most of our accounts we have people that go in at night after yeah. hours and clean up like in the schools we just have people going after hours and clean up and then we use the information that we get from those cleans um, to say, hey, we go in and kind of upset. Like, hey, you you know, your floors haven't been done in three months. It's time to do them. Some people we have on a schedule. We just say, hey, let's agree to the schedule and we'll do it. And some people we have to continually upsell to to mm. to get the work done. But either way, we we enjoy that we have someone there that goes every day who could tell us like, hey, their floors, this they got a lot of traffic. It looks really bad. Yeah. And so for some of the companies like a, like a fitness center, like why wouldn't they just hire somebody internally if they're going to be there during the hours? Like what's like what's their problem that you're solving for them? Yeah, a lot of times what what we find is a lot of times they can't manage that town. And so there are there's just small nuances. For example, I'll give you an example. We have a fitness center who insists on having someone come in from 4:30 to 6:30, 4 p.m to 6 p.m. basically every day. And so we go to them and we say, hey, like this is not a good idea. Like you you shouldn't have people work two hour shifts. And they're like, oh, well, we figure they can come here after work and you know they have all these ideas in their head. And so mm-hmm. what we have to do on our end is say, okay, here, you'll work here from 4.30 to 6.30. We'll give you another shift at another location. 
starting at seven. Mm. And then, you know, we kind of roll them into an eight hour day somehow. But the the gym doesn't understand the nuance of, hey, people who make $15 or less, you can't put them, you, they don't even want to drive somewhere for two hours. It's not worth it to them. So yeah. um, I, we just think that the managing um, of those people, they try to micromanage cleaners. Like everybody's washing them, their eyes are on them. And it doesn't matter who you are and how much money you make. You don't want to be micromanaged. So we find that the biggest difficulty between what we do and people just going in-house, which people try to, and some people do it successfully, but it's just they cannot manage that kind of talent there. I think they're used to managing mm. a little bit uh, higher pay talent, and it's a, it's a different ball game. but um, we have to deal with managing people who might make $14 an hour, and you have to know how to manage that kind of talent, and most of them yep. don't. And so what are some of your tips or advice for somebody you know, who, who that that's their, that's the workforce. Like what are some of yeah. those tips that you have? To, yeah. To well, well, number one is we try to treat everybody as if, you know, they're worthy of, of working anywhere. Right. So yes, that respect. is number one. Yeah. yeah we show them a lot of yeah. respect that they do because they do a job. I have a ton of respect for cleaners. They do a job people don't want to do. They come every day. Um, it's shocking that, we can get so many people because we have accounts everywhere. So cleaners have to go. They have the keys. They go themselves. They open the place. Mm -hmm. They lock the place. Like that's a lot of responsibility for people, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, no, you got to trust um, them. Yeah, yeah, you have to trust them. And like, if they leave the door open, unlocked, like you, you will hear about it in the morning. And so they take pride in that stuff. And when we can find people like that, we try to hold on to them and cherish them because. They're doing a, we always tell them you're doing a, 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 one of the most important jobs. Like everyone wants to come to a clean space. Everyone wants to be able to work in a clean environment. And you guys are enabling that. And there aren't a lot of people out there who would do what you do. And so I think that they ended up, end up taking pride in what they do and take pride in our company. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm very proud of that. So, uh, it's to me, it's just, it starts with respect and, and but you also have to have no tolerance because people will show up late and you know you're dealing with people who can what we say is these people can go get any other job they can yep. go work at target they can go work at starbucks yeah. they can go do anything else and so they chose to work here and so that's a two-edged sword double-edged sword so one will show you respect we'll try to make this a great place to work we'll try to make your job make it easy for you to do your job give you everything you need to do your job but at the same time, you have to show respect for the job and the position or, you know, you can go get another job because we know it's very easy for you to do that. Yep. Yeah, and it's also not hard for you guys to hire someone else, right? To fill Correct. the role if, you know, they don't value it because there's someone else yeah. who could value and really needs that job that they're holding their seat and taking advantage yep. of it. Right? Yep. So, yep. Right? Yeah, because it's not a ton of training for these jobs. Um, we really just look for people who are responsible and reliable. That's mostly what what we care about the most is yep. uh, some people in the cleaning industry are asked questions like do you have cleaning experience and uh, that doesn't everybody to me has everybody's cleaned up so everybody right. has cleaning yep. experience we don't even ask yeah that's fine and how, how many employees do you have uh we probably have about 80 at this okay. point yeah that's yeah. yeah, growing yeah. talk through what are your thoughts on like you know is it recession resistance? Like if the economy takes a dump, what's it going to look like in six to 12 yeah. months or whatever it is? 
Like, and, yeah. and what are you doing to prepare for it? Yeah. So we do think of our businesses pretty recession resistant. I mean, COVID happened and that kind of yeah, threw a, threw a curveball into, into that theory. Yeah. Uh, but the places we clean, uh, schools, uh, hospital, even a baseball stadium, like a recession shouldn't close those places. Now the capacity of those places could decrease. Mm. But a lot of times what you'll find is it's hard to change cleaning requirements when capacity decreases. So if a baseball stadium was getting 15,000 people a game and now they're getting 12, the cleaning requirements don't really change for that space. And so it's kind of a static thing. And we found it mostly with office. So after, after Mm. uh, COVID happened, a lot of offices said like, Hey, we're cutting back on our workforce. And what we've explained to a lot of women they've had to understand is, Hey, unless you have, all your employees on one floor and just one floor that you say we don't have to clean, it's almost impossible for you to get a reduction on your cleaning costs because it's too Yeah, we're going to vacuum half, half the carpet. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like, hey, go in this office. Don't go in this office. Go yeah. in this office. Don't go in this office. This person might be in today because they're hybrid. Yeah, It yeah. just, it doesn't work. So what we found is it's pretty recession resistant, but... I mean, you know, things will come up and, and people will change. People yeah. will try to go in house, uh, when they do that. But what we find is as long as you continue to pro- provide the good service, this has happened before. People take it in house six months later, they're calling us because they're struggling. They can't yeah. manage it. Yeah. Yep. It only takes two or three days of bad cleaning in a row before you're ready to say, yeah, like, Hey, I need it. to like, make a change. What are they paying you guys on average? Or how do you, how do you bill it? Like project yeah, so based? We, yeah, we usually build per square foot and it de- kind of depends on the space. So, um, like an office building is a little bit different than a school. Like to clean the floor in a school, we take like a big mm. machine that you're right behind the office scrubber. And that's a little bit easier to clean in the office building. We have to actually go and vacuum, um, around and maybe in like a clinic, it's not wide enough or big enough to use the, the machine. So we'll have to mop. So it kind of just depends on mm. what we have to do and. So prices can range. Uh, I mean, they can vary. They can quadruple depending on the, on the size of the space. It really kind of just depends. We actually do, I know you're in the, you're in the car biz. We actually do some car dealerships as well. Um, those places can get filthy. So, um, you do the sure shops you know too. Yeah. We do the shops. The shop space, yeah. 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 The shops oh, yeah. are, and, and there, if, if we, if we miss a day in the shop, like <laughs> we hear immediately, like an office building, we miss a day. They might not notice. Yeah, the offices shops are pretty yeah, clean, yeah. but the shop is like, it's no, it's like, hey, you guys didn't clean yesterday. So, so the price really varies. It, it could be anywhere from four cents a square foot up to 12 cents a square foot. It just depends on. Um, and that's billed monthly, monthly, weekly? monthly, okay, monthly. Yeah, we build monthly. Okay, cool. And what's, so what's some of the competitive advantages of like, I don't know, your business versus, I don't know, the, the Jan Pro or whatever, like the yeah. big major brand is. Yeah. Yeah. So what you find a lot in the space is that there are, because of labor force and the type of workers that you're dealing with always don't speak English. Um, and even sometimes the owners of the business don't speak English. What you'll find is that there are some companies that just go out and acquire contracts. And then there are some companies that only just claim. And so the way they connect them is some companies that go out and acquire a contract. And then they'll subcontract to those people who 
don't speak mm-hmm. great English or don't have the skills to go out and acquire the contracts. So a lot of times there's a layer in between the customer and the cleaners. So mm-hmm. if the cleaner doesn't do something, they're talking to their contact who doesn't, the cleaner doesn't work for them, but they don't always know that. The people are very so like brokers, like they're broker. They're brokers the essentially. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. And they're like kind of shady. Jan, shady Jan Pro and some of those big franchises. Yeah, some of the too. big ones are yeah, some of the big ones are certainly brokers. Most of them are brokers. Interesting. Um and what you'll find is that uh a lot of the customers don't know they're not talking to the people that clean their accounts. And so that layer of communication uh, you can imagine what happens when yeah, you have a middleman sure, yeah. in, in community. So you guys so, are, d- are the direct option. It's our yeah. people. Like that's yeah, your pitch. We, uh, to yeah. the- We're going to get the contracts. And we also, the because we do, because now we offer the floor work and the power washing and stuff, what we're, what we're working towards is to try to be a one-stop one solution for the building manager. So they can come and say, hey, like I also need my ducts clean and I need my windows clean. And even if we we're not like we won't always have a window washer in house, we may have to subcontract yeah, that. Sure. But we want to be able to be the person or the people that you can go to, and you don't have to have seven different contacts, you know, to to ma- manage your facility. And that's just a a relief on the building managers on the building managers part. So those are two kind of competitive okay. advantages. And how do you how do you choose when to say no? Then right because. That list could get pretty long. They say, All right, now we want you to cut the grass. Yeah. And then now we want yeah, you yeah, to yeah, yeah. stripe the lines in the parking yeah. lot, right? Like, yeah. It, so, how do you determine that? Yeah. So, right now, we kind of have a suite of services that we do offer. So, we'll do window cleaning, we'll do power washing, we'll do any type of floor work that you, that you may need. And the floor work actually is covers a ton of what mm-hmm. happens in a building, especially the big ticket items. Um, and unless we acquire a specialty, so like the, the usually the window, the power washer may be, they may want to do 10 things in the building. We do eight of them and we don't do two and they may be power washing. And so we, we just kind of said, okay, we could take that on. We have a guy. It's not going to be a big deal. It's not a ton of work for us. But our idea is to acquire companies that have expertise and have contracts. And then that we can start using the people and the equipment okay. that we've acquired to do that kind of work. And so we can start to be that. We don't want to do everything. Like we don't want to do the plumbing and um, the HVAC stuff. But the but cleaning, cleaning related things in the facility. The cleaning related things. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. we want to be that able to be the person for um, that. And what's your goal? Like how how big do you want to build the company? Yeah, so we think that just in our market, so we kind of operate in three counties right now. And I think that the opportunity in just those three counties is probably close to $15 million in revenue, maybe okay. 20. And what are you doing now? Um, we're doing just about five. Okay. So you could have three, four X. Yeah. So we could three, four exit. We believe pretty comfortably with some acquisitions and obviously some organic growth too. But after that, we would have to, you know, move into a different geography and kind of start again. So our goal for now is just to grow in our, in our County and in our geography for now. Um, we haven't really looked at any deals outside, even though, you know, sometimes they come across our desks, but yeah. we think that we could probably go to 15 or 20 in revenue, um, just here. So that, that's kind of what we want to do. Yeah. Cause it's a lot more profitable for you guys to like build out the, the routes, right? That cleaner, cause yeah. two hours here, two hours there and like build out the route for them rather than, 
you know, a, a light route. They're not making the money. Then there's turnover, there's retraining, there's all this stuff. So like, yep, you I mean, got it. I would, uh, yeah. And, and like marketing and I don't know, all, all this stuff. So yeah, I think it's a good, the density, the density is just a huge advantage. Saves a ton of money. All your cars can dispatch from the same, like our floor work guys, they have to take our vehicles. So they can all dispatch from the same location. And now we do service all of Florida, like we're in all of Florida. So the guys well, will drive the down to Miami. Yeah. yeah, and drive up. But those are big jobs that are worth it. And we put them up in hotel rooms and that kind of stuff. But we couldn't, we couldn't send somebody to do a cleaning, regular nightly cleaning an hour away or two yeah. hours away. It wouldn't be worth it. And the floor specific work, you mentioned this before we had a call, but it was like redoing a basketball uh, floor. Is it like stripping yeah. tile, like and then resealing, yeah. like that yeah. kind of like yeah. big project, the whole, this. the whole space, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So we'll like, we'll like redo your re, re, reculture basketball floor. Like I just saw a quote that came through today for, for a fitness club and it's uh recoding all five of their racquetball courts and those jobs can be okay yeah like, you know you could get a twenty twenty five thousand dollar job um how do you get your heat? labor how do you get the miami heat the basketball i know that would court. be that would be sweet that would be sweet i'm sure we can get some good money for that but but yes uh those are big jobs and you know it's, it it certainly pays to have the guys do it and yeah and our cost on those jobs are under 50 percent, so they're really good margin jobs yeah that's awesome um, yeah, so shifting topics, you know, one of the things I think that you, that you do is really cool is, you know, you're active on Twitter and then you have this, this coffee fr- Fridays, I think it is. Yeah, so you yeah. open your, your calendar up that anybody can book, you know, a call with you on a Friday and have a chat for a half hour. So talk yeah. to me about kind of why did you do that to begin with? And then next is kind of like, I'd like to hear some stories of some people maybe that you've kind of like helped, um, kind of along the way. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, the reason I think I started that is because I, I mean, I didn't go into my background too much, but like, that's the best way to put this. So going to Detroit public schools, is like not a great school system, but I was lucky enough. I had, I, w- I was in a good house. And I, I had good parents who, who instilled some values, but even still in that you don't have a lot of examples of any type of success outside of like doctors and lawyers like that was kind of the epitome of oh you can be a doctor you can be mm-hmm. a lawyer but there's no you don't know you don't know any small business people and you don't know any people that make movies or in the arts or stuff like that like that stuff just doesn't exist and so it became very important to me as i got older to try to be in a not be an example but be a someone people could reach out to if they ever had questions about something that they had no clue about. And so that's a part of the reason I write on Twitter. It's like, hey, this exists, this world of buying businesses, it exists. Everything isn't investment banking and startups. Like there's a whole nother world here. And I try to be a resource to people if they ever want to learn more about that. So that's kind of why I do my my Fridays. And me, it's something that me and my wife are passionate about. She grew up similar to how I did. And now she's a photographer. So she's in the arts and like she knew no one who was in the arts when she grew up. So mm-hmm. just having somebody to reach out and she helps a ton of people learn more about the creative and the art space. So that's really important to me. And through through doing it, I've been doing it maybe four or five months now, maybe six months. I've met some amazing people. You meet people who are just like, I don't know anything about search and buying businesses. And so it's cool to talk to them about the opportunity that exists and some of the challenges that they may face. And then I've talked to people 
um, who called me and they were like, I'm kind of interested in search and now they've done deals. And so that part is awesome. And, you know, I, I still talk to them and reach out to them, check in, see how their deal is going. But it's awesome to be able to be a resource uh, to people and even things like your podcast. It, I'm sure you've heard it. It helps people and people get a ton of information from just all the free stuff that we put out. And that to me is rewarding enough um, because, well, I mean, you know, 10 years ago, none of this stuff existed. I know. Right. There were no I mean, podcasts. Three, it's three years ago. Like, it's, yeah, it's, three years ago. It's there were no podcasts to... about businesses or rolling up franchises or any of that stuff. And sometimes all it takes is knowing that someone else can, has done it. Right. Like knowing that yep. Brian can roll up franchises proves that it can be done. And so then, it, you know, it starts to be a, a, a option in your arsenal of like, Hey, wh- where do I want to take this? And rolling up franchises may be, may be yeah. attractive to people. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's perfectly said. I I've known from, you know, I'm, I'm in a group called GoBundance, like a mastermind of other, you know, guys and of, of similar kind of like, you know, status and net worth and stuff. And, but even in there, you see like, you, you see like they achieve these amazing things and you, and you ask yourself, like, if they can do it, why not me? Yeah. But then a lot of times when you're in these groups or, or you, you can kind of build these communities, it's, uh, you know, people are more than willing to help each other, you know, cause yeah. like, just like buying a business, they see themselves in you, like same thing, the guys who are a couple steps ahead of me you know, want to help me like throw the rope down and help me up. And then, you know, I want to do the same to, to other people. And that's kind of the, the point of the podcast and just getting out there. It's just letting yeah. people that is like hearing the stories and the stories is what inspires people to spark the interest to then lead them down this path to then connect with more people and like just see all the things that are possible. And like, like you said, no, you don't know something until you see someone else doing it. And like, that's right. And you can read that's the books right. and you can see the YouTube videos and all this stuff. But like, I don't know. You talk to somebody, you like, you actually, it feels more real, you know? 100%. And you just ask, why not me? Like, if they can do it, I can do it. Like, it's not yeah, there's no, no magic thing here. It's just hard work. No. And like, yeah. Clear, and clear and then you realize that, like, Brian or Chris are, they're just, it's just a guy, right? Like, it's not, yeah. they're not, they don't have any magical powers. Like, they just, you know, dedicated their time to something and, and it, you know, you stick at it and, and it can work. And so, uh, there, there's always back and forth on Twitter. I think what I, what I try to do is exactly what you did or what you described. It's just to say like, Hey, this is possible. I'm not saying it's a magic bullet because obviously, well, nothing is. So you shouldn't believe that anyway, but it's possible. And when I, 10 years ago, I didn't know it was possible. So I'm sure someone has read my tweets and now it's a possibility to them, even if they don't pursue it, just to know that it's possible. Um, or like my little cousins who they know like, oh, doing this is a possibility or like my wife, like being a photographer is a pot. You can make, you can make a living because people, when, when I was growing up, the arts was like, don't do it. You'll never make any money. It's a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a hobby. And like my wife has proved that that's not true. And so for her, cause she has a cousin interested in photography and now, you know, she, it can be real to her. So that, that part is just awesome. Yeah, I think that's the most most exciting bar- part about being on like Twitter and just like being in this environment is just is all that. And there's all these different paths. Like you have your path, I have my path. Yep. There's other guys yep. who are doing real estate and other guys doing whatever. And like I don't know. So you you, you follow different people, you learn about different paths, you see what resonates, and you know, th- yeah. then you can can focus in on on what you think makes sense for you versus yeah, you know, awesome. there's not there's not one shoe that, that fits everybody. No, um, no, yeah. Uh, that's the great part. And on Twitter, you see it all. 
it's guys doing everything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's cool what you do. Obviously, that's how we, you know, first connected was on one of those calls. So yeah. I, I appreciate that. And you've uh, you've yeah. inspired me. I'm I'm considering I'm I'm trying to find the time on my calendar that I can be like a recurring thing. Um, yeah. Because I think yeah, I, think I used awesome. to do I used to do two hours, thirty minute blocks. Yeah. And now I, now I do one hour, so I only have two blocks a week. But but still, yeah. I, I still I I said that that'll be my minimum. I can't go below. That. Do, do you fill them every week almost? Yeah. They're yeah. almost always filled. Is, yeah. is it always last minute or is it kind of you got them booked out a little while? Uh, no, sometimes people are booking out. Like, I only have it open like two weeks in advance, maybe three weeks in advance where you can book it. But a lot of times they're like two weeks out, though, they'll, they'll get booked. So, or if I ever tweet about it or somebody else tweets about it, like, yeah. as soon as this podcast comes out, and people then boom, to yeah, it, everyone's I'll see, like, boom, yeah. Chris's, Chris's schedule's filled up. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, awesome. Well, I appreciate, you know, you spending some time with me and sharing your story. I think it's obviously pr- pretty inspirational. You kind of, kind of built, you know, come from where you are and you build this, this awesome business and, you know, uh, employing a lot of people. I mean, you get to Forex, you'd be employing like 300 people, providing yeah. an awesome, stable job in the good work environment. And like, you know, there's a lot of parts that's like giving back to the community too, uh, in, in the neighborhoods yeah. you're in. So I think that's all awesome. Yeah. And, uh, where, so people can connect with you. Obviously they can follow you on Twitter. Uh, what's, yeah. your, what's your handle? Uh, Chris X Mun M U N N. So most of them, I'm pretty much right exclusively on Twitter. So if you want to find me, you can reach me there, DM me. Yeah, I'll try okay. to respond. Awesome. So that'll be the best resource. And then from there, if they're interested in setting up the call or learning more yeah. about you, uh, that'll be yeah, they can find it on there. Is, is X your middle initial? It's not. It's Chris Mun was taken and nothing <laughs> else looked good. So kind of sucked, like, but like it DX. is what it is. That's all yeah, good. It was uh, best. Chris Munn was taken. I tried to buy it from somebody and they wouldn't sell it to me. Yeah. Awesome. Cool, man. Thanks again for hopping on and yeah, we'll be chatting. Appreciate it, Brian. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. That's all we got for this episode with the Business with Beers podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is to rate the show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Also, make sure to link up with me on your preferred social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find all my links at brianbeers.com. Please just share the podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember to take the actions others won't to live the life that others don't. 